something crazy happened, which is Julian Kenta's partner, their family's six-year-old mini poodle went missing four years ago, just showed up at their vet. Like, I just, like, walked up to the vets on April Fool's Day, and now they, like, have the dog back. From four years ago. Four years ago, and it's 16 years old. What? this is the dog. What? That is so crazy. Isn't it psychotic? Should we, like, get into it? Yes. Hi, Peyton. Hi, Courtney. Um, um, welcome back to, what's it called? Uh, the greatest, the greatest story, story ever told. <laughs> um, I'm really excited because now, what as we're recording, some people have listened to our podcast and some people have actually joined the Bible reading movement. And yeah, this week we're um, reading the, we've read the book of Numbers. Um, we have. And I... I'm really upset about it. How do you feel? (laughs) I feel like the Bible's like getting worse. The Bible's getting worse and worse. I will say, oh, last week we did forget to rate, um, to sort of keep up the ranking of the books. And Uh interestingly enough, I think the ranking is just the order that they're in so far, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, because Leviticus was the worst. I would have to agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we're not going to do number. We're going to rank numbers at the end of the episode. I think we should. We may have a disagreement. We may disagree. I wonder if we will. I actually, after I finished, was like, I feel like with the first three books, I was like, okay, we're going to be on the same page. It was pretty obvious. But this one is like a little bit of a wild card. This one's a little bit of a wild card. Um, it's, it is about numbers, basically, um, which really made me feel... Um, I was okay. So let's cut back to a week ago. We're just done reading Leviticus. We're completely traumatized by Leviticus. Horrified. And I had this feeling, the sense that numbers might be boring, but it might not be as um, grueling. Like it might not be as, it might not be as emotionally charged. Mm -hmm. And I think I was right about that, but I did, I did start reading with a sense of dread and a sense of a little bit of hope. Yes. And what I found did not really fix my sense of dread because they immediately are just saying numbers. They are counting the numbers of like different, different kind of groups of the Israelites. So it's like this family had this many men and this many of those men were this age and this many of them were soldiers. And that went on for a super long time. Yeah. I think I, so I've mentioned this before, but my Bible at the beginning of every book has like a little kind of synopsis of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I try not to read them, but um, I kind of glanced at it before I started reading. And I saw like the word journey and battles and was like, okay, we're like on the up, you yeah. know, like this is going to be better. And then, you know, a few pages in was like, we're back. Yeah, we're back we're and we're back, back in well, we're back in a different way. And it was, it's a fresh hell, literally, because mm-hmm. it's a new, a new way of experiencing reading hell that I didn't anticipate, which is like, I jokingly was like, oh, I hope it's just numbers like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But it's actually like, it was actually like 25 or so some odd pages of like different kinds of numbers. And so, okay. So at a certain point, I'm like, I'm reading every word because that's what I've said I would do. And I love to follow rules. And I ultimately came up, I feel like quickly, I kind of learned one way to look at the book of numbers I found that it's like quasi interesting is that it's a book about logistics for the Israelites, which I didn't realize it's like 
it's like how many people are in each family how many of them are going to be soldiers da, 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 da. like who's going to pitch the tents who's going to uh -huh. like carry the candles who's going to do this and that and it did make me realize yeah and then they get into like where the different families are going to be situated like they're like they will be to the south of the tabernacle and i'm like oh my god like i don't need to know this but i actually at, after a certain point was kind of like i didn't really think about how much of a complete shit show it would be to try to lead this many people and so this is this is in, in, an important document do i think it belongs in the holy bible no. i don't i don't so when i first started reading the book when they're talking about where the different families are like situated around the tabernacle and within this like encampment or whatever it is i started thinking about it felt like a cartoon or something and then i started thinking about beauty and the beast and like in the beginning of that movie where they're like it's like there goes the baker and then like there goes the library guy and they're all going to their like different little zones in the city and then i was like oh it's kind of cute to like think about it that way like this little cartoon where it's like okay this family goes here this family goes there this like and then I sort of like my visual became a cartoon, which felt kind of cute. And then it sort of helped going forward. I mean, that being said, like reading this book was hell, but going forward when they're talking about the floor plans in the organization, I started thinking of maps and then like video games and cartoons. And this became like this kind of theme for me where which oh, cool. helped me get through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? I needed a, I needed a way to get through it. My way of getting through it was imagining Moses as like an event planner, like almost like a wedding planner. I love that. That was like, okay, this is where you're going to go. And like, and it also reminded me of, again, being a preschool teacher and like having certain things where it's like, everything has to be choreographed, you know, like who's going to pass this out? Who's going to do this? Who's going to clean up the art area? Because we have to like, Oh yeah. The sort of like logistical things, the choreography of the Israelites moving across like the lands. I, I, that was the way that I made, I lied to myself and told myself it, it was interesting. You know, that, I think you. that's it. I'm interested in my instinct to go towards cartoon and video game. And then your instinct to think about teaching and uh, kids because it's, there's like an overlap there. Cause I had to like revert back to something to like suffer through this you know yes <laughs> like when you're a kid and you can make anything fun like you're in a forest and there's a hole and all of a sudden like the hole is so fun it's like this was a hole that I was like I have to yeah. figure out how to make it a little bit fun yeah um it, it reminded me too of like okay what I was thinking that it also like from the beginning gave me this feeling of like this is not what I expected to be in the bible and you know so often I'm I'm feel like I'm like oh this isn't what I thought the bible would be and I realized I had this preconception of the bible that like so much of it was going to be um, profound. Like this is not making me religious. Yeah. This is not, it's not giving me an experience of God. It's not telling me anything beautiful. It's not telling me anything miraculous. It's just, it's a, event planning. Like it's literally like Kohath's family is going to deal with the altars and candles. Gershonites will tend to the curtains of the traveling tabernacle. It's like, this isn't making me feel it connected to anything. It's just making me be like, minima like at best I'm kind of like okay that was probably pretty hard to figure out who's gonna do that <laughs> like, I, I it's interesting for me reading this because I'm having the same realization but also like it's confusing because being this far removed from being like a practicing Christian also thought the Bible was mostly just full of rich profound things and I'm like oh my god there's so much shit in here that I probably actually never even read because it's pointless and it's also really interesting how much, or so far, how little of what we've read is 
profound and is the type of stuff that Christians actually talk about. Yeah. I'm like, oh, we were talking about like probably 15% of the Bible yeah, for that, the like entire I'm... 18 years of my Christian life. Should we like break it down? Yeah, yeah. So more? I mean, there is some some crazy stuff. There is one huge actually um, like bomb dropped in this okay. book that okay. we will get to. I, <laughs> I, I screamed. We I screamed. have to be thinking about the same thing, but I want to wait until we are. get to it. We do. Because I, I, it came up and I was like, literally shit my pants then like <laughs> was I was like reaching for my phone to text you but I was like I can't we, we can't, can't go there it. yet and yeah. I it has to be the same thing but it's something that's so crazy and also something that I did not know was in the bible after okay. all the, I'm realizing like I was a pretty bad Christian or something but um yeah I'm so that starting, would be that okay also I'm sorry maybe, I think it's two different things Oh, but shit, we'll find really? out. We'll find out. Yeah. Okay. Oh For my me, God, there really was excited. a moment that was like fucking crazy. Like I was like, this is anyway, we will get to okay. either I'm the same so, place so or excited. two different places. Okay. I kind of hope it's two, but me too. Well, okay. So, well, and then I also, it also made me like start to feel like an idiot because I was expecting something more and it's literally called the book of numbers. You yeah, know, like I true. was like, well, shit, like it, it told me what it is. Like, I don't know why I think but the book of numbers, something about that title sounds very like YA fantasy almost. It's like the matrix. And so I kind of thought like, yeah. oh, this, this could potentially be like the most mystical because numbers, you know, and there's like numerology. I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'm going to get into some real cool shit. Yeah. It's, it's just or numbers. like numbers with astrology and yeah. like all that shit too. The yeah, magic of numbers. It is definitely kind of mystical and magical, but that this book is not. No, they're not going there where I wanted them to. Okay. Yeah. So where do you want to so I mean the beginning of the book we kind of already mentioned like yeah. they're just telling us where everyone's sitting it's yeah. so boring <laughs> and how many books I mean they do that for, or how many chapters they do that a for ton. a couple chapters it also while I was reading this I was imagining us talking about it and was like there's so much that we're just gonna like no there's no skip over because you it. can't talk about it no like I'm not gonna um, list all these random people yeah the first time I like kind of clicked in and took a note that was related to a chapter was honestly chapter, I think. Oh no, I'm wrong. I was going to say, it, it, I'm wrong. I was going to say chapter 19, but it's not. This is from an earlier chapter. It's, uh, I didn't write the chapter, but I, it's verse 19 of something. But uh, the first thing that like, I was like, okay, this is what I'll grab onto. Oh, well, before even that, they kicked the lepers out of the colony again. Oh yeah. I mean, they, it's, it's like, they've been doing that. I don't know why they keep repeating hate. it lepers and then um they start doing this other weird thing with adulterous women only where they give them a potion which they call a bitter water and if they get sick they're adulterous and if they don't get sick from it they're innocent and it they call it a bitter water oh, that, that shit causes, was crazy yeah a bitter water that causes the curse which that sounds a little bit like witchy it's kind of cool sounding wait oh and so yeah so basically they're talking about the organization like of these people in this physical space and then they kind of the book transitions into like more kind of rules about shit and like yeah it's like rules about adultery and there's one in book or chapter five verse 14 it says it's talking about like i mean once again as is probably gonna be the theme of the whole bible like whoever wrote this really hates women um but it says in the spirit of jealousy came upon him and he be jealous of his wife and she be defiled or if the spirit of jealousy come up 
upon him and he be jealous of his wife and she be not defiled, then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest and he shall bring her offering for her, blah, blah, blah. Basically, my interpretation of this, this specific verse that I like highlighted was if a man is jealous of his wife, regardless if she did something or not to make him jealous, she is like at fault for him being jealous. Yeah. Does that make sense? What I just said? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, there was a whole section that was kind of like that. There was all these different, they kept presenting like different scenarios as if the ending was going to be different. And the ending was always like, bring her to the priest. Cause yeah. she had done something wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's the like, answer is they'd be like, well, if X, Y, Z, yeah. If X, Y, Z, then bring her to the priest. But if X, Y, Z minus T bring her to the priest, you know? And it's just like, we get it. You're taking her to the priest for whatever she does. Another one. Yeah. It's like a lot of taking the priest. This one says, then the priest shall charge the woman with an oath of cursing. This is also about like women and their husbands. It's like still in the same kind of, uh, it's still in the same chapter. And not this oath of cursing. And the priest shall say unto the woman, the Lord make thee a curse and an oath among thy people. When the Lord doth make thy thigh to rot and thy belly to swell. I saw that. that was crazy and so gross and they kind of talked about the swelling belly and the rotting thigh for a bit and I I have to say too like even reading this right now like I don't really know what they're talking about yeah this was the first book where a lot of it I feel like I just couldn't understand what they were saying like I kind of got a vague idea of rules but I there was a lot of stuff where I was like I just really don't know what this means Mm -mm. and I can't make much sense of it and so I mean I think that's valid like that's my experience of reading this part of the bible I've tried to figure it out I mean I'm being as serious as I can also yeah yeah it's just like a a lot of stuff that I didn't really understand there was there was something called the Nazarite also which I I think is I think is somebody who makes a it was rules for the Nazarite. I think a Nazarite is someone who makes some sort of vow where you shave your head, you don't drink alcohol and you come back with more really specific like offerings and sacrifices, yeah. <laughs> which like that sounds kind of cool. Like I think that if given the opportunity, I would love to take the vow of the Nazarite back then just for to break up the kind of boredom, you know, to kind of like break up. I also up. highlighted Nazarite because Jesus is like Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. Oh. Nazareth. I, I think Nazareth. Nazareth. Anyways, and I was like, wait, is a Nazarite someone from Nazareth? Or like, I guess at this point it's a tribe, like the Nazarite tribe. But then I was like, "Hmm, I wonder what the connection to Jesus and Nazareth. We'll find out maybe, but we might. I hope that we do, I think, but maybe we we won't. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. And then at a certain point, too, it's like, it feels, it just begins to feel like a spreadsheet document to me, this book. Totally. Like, it's like, here's how many people are here. Here's who did, like, we already get through a whole thing of numbers. And then like throughout, they're kind of like in other books where there'll be a section of genealogies. In this, I feel like there will be these sections of numbers, of counting, whether it's soldiers, children, old people in the different groups. That's like, it just feels like it It has a similar role as like the genealogies, which for me is just like, um, Okay, like remember when you learn about the cell in high school yes. and there's cytoplasm, which is like the vast expanse of just like plasma between the different parts of the cell. Yeah, I That's do. what like the genealogies and like n- the numbers remind me of. It's like, okay, these are, there's little nuggets of information in here, but I, this is the cytoplasm. I'm going to read it, but it's like, it's kind of holding the other stuff in place, you know? Yeah, um, but it I reminded mean- me. No, well, it reminded me too, all these numbers about like, so it reminded me of like, it's this phenomenon that I know of from like my 
only in interacting with like adults, older adults. And it's usually like, I feel like older men, like dads try to people, they don't have like social skills, but they have to talk. And so they like my dad, for example, my dad, for example, was like obsessed with numbers. Like he didn't really know how to like talk to me, you know, we didn't have like that much in common. And so it'd be like, I remember him being like, it's like a a way of fake socializing. That's like, I would go to like a dance at the school or something. And he'd be like, how many people were there? And I'd be like, I don't know. It's like, what was it like 20 or was it like a hundred? Oh yeah. And it's like, Sorry, we had a, um, a technical glitch. We're going to backtrack. So your dad is obsessed with numbers and asks, if you go to a dance, he'll ask how many people were there as a way to make conversation. Yeah, like if my, I, I've, and I've noticed this with other like older men who are trying to make innocent conversation with me. Like my aunt, my aunt has a new boyfriend named Steve who does this. And he's like, he does it with, it. my dad does it too. It's, it's a way... I think if once now you go back into the world, if you know about this, you'll start seeing people who do this because it is kind of tricky. Like you do think that they're talking to you, but really they're just like, how many people live in Brooklyn? How many people live in Manhattan? How long does, how long does it take you to get to work? Like how big is the, like my aunt's boyfriend, Steve really shook me to my core when I, I tried to have a conversation with him. And he was asking me about how big grocery stores were in New York. And he's like, asking about square footage like so I was like I don't know like I have no idea but this book started to remind me oh yeah some people like get through conversations and some people interact with each other via numbers I mean it's kind of like the the original number conversation that is like a sad excuse for human interaction is asking about the weather and like essentially a lot of times that is a number you know it's like the oh it's 54 you know and this feels like kind of an extension of that conversation yeah. or like maybe not an extension, but in that same world, because it's like, no one really cares, but <laughs> you kind of have to say something like that occasionally to like, yeah, moving a lot. It's like to yeah. move things along. I think numbers are what we're realizing is numbers are what we have when like language and personality and, and human connection fail. <laughs> Like we have numbers and they help get us through to something else. Yeah. It's like, they're kind of like pushing us along. Yeah. We need them. Yeah. And this book is pushing us along. I mean, it feels like much less vital than literal numbers, but it's functioning in the same way. Yes. I did find something that I, oh, okay. Okay. If again, this book felt copy and pasted. There were some things that started to pique my interest a little bit, I do have to admit. And part of me wonders if it was because it was so boring that just anything was going to like, you know what I mean? I was in such a lull of being bored and trying to fight through it that these things seemed interesting. But I was thinking about the Levites. There are like a lot more rules about the Levites in here and they're always getting shaven and cleaned and they're making offerings to the Lord and all the Levites between, well, male Levites, I don't think women do anything. I don't know what the women do, but the male Levites between 25 and 50 tend the tabernacle. And I started to think about how I wanted to be a Levite. Like if I was there, I would have liked society. to be a Levite. Yeah. And I, it was because that I would rather be a Levite and be in, because some people are just in charge of like carrying cords and some people are in charge of like being soldiers. And I felt like the Levites were really started to seem like cool and a little bit glamorous because they had shaved heads and they wore special uniforms. Like, I think that they wore a lot of long, I'm like imagining like long blue cloths. And then I started to be like, 
that's kind of sick of me to like just want to be the special ones you know what I mean like wait why is that sick or it's not sick it's just like so predictable like it's like why couldn't like Cordy why couldn't you be happy like carrying the cords or like making breaking sure the chains aren't like tangled up or whatever I no, I like I kind of felt similarly and I was I wasn't as concerned with the specialness of the the also I keep saying Levites I don't know which if it's Levites or Levites but it doesn't matter but I was like okay the Levites seem kind of like protected and Mm -hmm. like they're doing a lot of work but they're you know they're getting paid apparently yeah um and kind of seem like one of the most important groups in this society I just liked the idea of being like protected because in you know in the bible as we know everyone's just getting like killed left and right yeah it seems like the levites are doing okay yeah aside from like working hard the levites seem yeah they seem to be doing really well um something else that was really cool yeah and throughout all of this it's just god talking to moses and aaron like it's god telling moses and aaron what rules to have what to tell people so like i i just wanted to mention that that that's kind of the structure of it it's like there god starts telling moses and aaron something about something and then they have a chapter about that um something amazing that i did love about numbers is that the levites are going around the land trying to find a place to stop so basically it's the israelites trying to find their promised land the land that the lord promised them for being chosen and they are following a cloud it's like the cloud the lord is taking the form of a little cloud okay the cloud is so sweet adorable if the cloud moves they move and if the cloud stays they stay and they're just always watching the cloud and it feel it felt to me like a little bit like mario it felt nice and then i also was like that sounds so nice you just make no decisions and i think that might be the appeal of being a child of god in that time because it's like i don't need to think like i just follow the cloud baby like i don't even you know it's like if the cloud moves i'm gonna move yeah it felt i think this at this point is when i also started to think more about like video games because it felt like the cloud feels like a cursor or something and like uh-huh. the people are like following the cursor i mean i don't really play video games or know anything about them but it seems like sometimes there's like a little icon that represents a group or like the individual fighter or whatever and i was like oh this is like it's like in sims where there's sims. Thing i was gonna say i think sims. you're but it's yeah. like this little cloud that like follow around and it's i just i imagine it being like so cute and like quiet yeah oh my god the quiet little cloud that they follow like the loudness of the people and then if you just look the to the cloud, cloud it's silent yeah. it's silently leading yeah um, i'm obsessed so with the cloud that and then they also have their their communication and logical system is cloud and trumpet based so they do have two silver trumpets that somebody blows to communicate something i did yeah i i noted the trumpets and was like that was felt like a a little bit of a reprieve yeah totally i was like like, oh this is cute like two silver trumpets like something for me to think about okay and so then in chapter all, all of a sudden like princes keep being mentioned yeah it was like a like very abruptly princes enter yeah the bible the world the world is changing like the Uh, world of the bible is changing i think in numbers but it is really funny because i mean yeah there's not really a a writing style of the bible so it's like no one steps in no one knows like well we read all this contemporary and modern stuff that's like if the world is changing the writer is going to like let you know in detail how it's changing and then 
this one is just kind of like, here's what's happening. And then you just have to become aware of like, oh, now there are princes. Okay. Now there's like all these other things, which like, maybe there were already princes. I don't know, but no, there weren't already princes because we've been reading since all this was created. Uh, exactly. And like, <laughs> you know, there was never, it never was mentioned. Oh, by the way, now there's this, is that yeah. a feudal system or is that more about the servants? I don't know. Like this system of royalty a class and, and a royalty well okay so then after the trumpets and shit then the israelites start complaining i love when the israelites and complain. like a, like a lot of the rest of the book is israelites complaining and then god being annoyed and it's the funniest it's so funny um dynamic it's like yeah. these little bitchy tiny i also like imagine obviously god being so big and the israelites uh-huh. are these tiny little like ants you know and it's like all these like tiny little people just being like fuck you like we're so pissed off like okay this verse that i noted so so they're like they're mad that they keep being like oh fuck you god you brought us out of egypt and this is actually worse yeah or like comparing their enslavement in egypt to you know being in the like wild and searching for the promised land they're like this actually is worse and it sucks yeah and like one of the things they say is we remember the fish which we did eat in egypt freely the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic and i was like okay that sounds really good no that sounds so good i wrote that down too and i was like um that sounds delicious like i i I I need to eat that i know i want to eat that really badly and then Um, they were like now we only have mana which tastes like fresh oil and coriander which like at the same time that also kind of sounds good there's also they mention a lot flour mixed with olive oil which is like part of the offerings which is definitely gross like we know that that's going to taste gross but something about it sounds kind of good oh yeah i think it sounds good i think it sounds good i think it would bake like a kind of a crust on the meat and i think that that would be good oh shit that sounds good it's like crispy I, this um, is unexpected for me too is I didn't expect to ever read about an, a food or drink item in the bible and be like oh I'm hungry I want that yeah. yeah I think that like the potage of lentils the potage of lentils and bread is still really standing out to me yeah. from Genesis I just like want that food but, but this, the fish, this fish, fish with the cucumber it's like also all my favorite shit I was like damn yeah it sounds like something that you would really like I know so Oh, and they also, they, they also, the way that they complain is so beautiful. Like they're like describing how much they hate only eating mana. And they're like, my soul is dried away by this. And it's like, drama fucking queens. Like, are you kidding me? I really want to start saying my soul is dried away by whatever. I don't like, okay. So they're complaining about the food and this is so weird. This like thing is so weird where God then decides, okay, well, he's mad. Like God is all over the place in this too, because the Israelites are complaining about the food. Moses tells God, he's like, okay, at this point, and at one point, like Moses kind of claps back <laughs> at God and is yes, like, that's what what's do you also expect- funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what do you expect these people to eat? Like, hello. And so God is like so fucking pissed off about the complaint, but all he can do is like feed them, but he finds a way to make it evil. So he like sends down like a shower of quails like okay so quails, many quails yeah. so many quails all surrounding the camp that you basically when you get to the quails you would have to walk a whole entire day until you reach the end of the pile of quails that's how many quails god sent and god says 
oh, I'm going to feed you. And it won't be enough food for just one day. And it won't be enough food for five days. It won't be enough food for a week. It'll be so much food that you will eat for a month. And you'll be eating so much that food will come out of your nostrils. And it's like, you're fucking sick. He's insane. Like, it's It's so also sick. then like, so- People come out of your nostrils. Like then, so at they first- eat, They're eating the quail, but then, wait, sorry, keep going. No, keep well, going. at first it seems like God is being nice. Like he's like- Oh, and the food will be enough for you to have for this much, and then this much, and then this much, and then it'll come out of your nose. You greedy pigs! It's literally pigs. Trunch, and it's like, what? Professor <laughs> Trunchbull from yeah. fucking Matilda making that kid eat the cake. Yes, Bruce Bogtrotter. Okay, yeah. So it's he sends the quails. Yeah, that seems nice. Then it's like actually no, it's mean. He's like force feeding you, and also like there's too many quails. And then the people are just he's still kind of like pissed at them. And then at the end of this chapter, he smites them with a fucking plague yeah doesn't everyone who ate the quails get sick i yes. kind of think that they were poisoned quails yes. you don't want to have all these no. quails like rotting and hot. oh wait also okay i was imagining all these quails being alive were you imagining them oh, all being yeah. dead yeah yeah oh okay see <laughs> i'm imagining like quails on quails on quails like like <laughs> walking around which i don't know if you've ever seen a quail that's walk adorable around, is so goddamn cute so i yeah. was like this seems kind of cute i mean aside from them like shitting and whatever but um no if they were okay, alive no, i'm understanding why we're having yeah. such different responses yeah i thought it was like horrific also just okay, so at, at this point i i mean this is like rooted in some messy shit maybe but moses seems like oh god's wife and the Israelites okay. are the kids. And this is like some very yeah. traditional like 50s shit where God is the dad and he's like, oh, these fucking kids. And yeah. Moses is the mom. And she's like, no, honey, like you have to be a little nicer. But like also <laughs> the kids are being little shit. So like Moses is like this kind of mediator, which yeah. is reminding me of the dynamic between like a wife and husband and annoying children, which I guess that's like toxic. It's I don't know, not whatever, your fault. Right? It comes from somewhere. It comes yeah. from all, it comes from everything that we've ever watched or seen. But that's um, what it feels like. Yeah. I'm curious to hear what you have to say about Miriam. Okay. Yeah. So I think what happens in chapter 12 is Miriam is being like racist. Yeah. I mean, I, my so, note says Miriam is racist, then gets leprosy. Yeah. Miriam is racist because Moses's wife is ethiopian and miriam like tries to complain about and miriam is aaron's wife oh okay. and miriam tries to complain to god about that and god is like that's re actually really fucked up and then which is cool like god punishes miriam yeah i did think that was kind of cool. and miriam um, miriam turns white and her hair falls out <laughs> wait i kind of missed that part but that's really nice <laughs> um yeah it's and then, also like a very short chapter and it's like okay like it's tiny it's a tiny Miriam. little event oh and the other thing that okay so then yeah this was kind of crazy so she turns leprous her hair she turns white and her hair falls out and then Aaron is like please oh my god Moses do something like what is going on with Miriam tell God to forgive her and Moses is like please forgive Miriam and then God says this crazy thing he says if her father had but spit in her face should she not be ashamed seven days and this and then Moses is like what and then God sends Miriam out of the camp for seven days to experience a week's worth of shame and I was just like I hate that God punishes people with shame so often but at the same time it's like the most sociopathic and almost like evil genius 
way to punish someone. Like it feels very cult leader. It feels very like Keith Raniere, like totally punishing somebody by being like, yeah, she's going to be forgiven, but she has to go spend seven days experiencing shame. And then she will like know that. But is, is she experiencing shame because she is like expelled and everyone knows she's gone and then she has to come back and confront everyone or like, like what about it is so shameful that uh, like the being she sent did, away that she did something so wrong that she I think that she did something so wrong in God's eyes that she um, had to leave the camp would cause and her like to that in and of itself shame. is like shameful yeah yeah okay. yeah okay so then we have like tons more lists of tribes oh my um, god wait okay but yeah tons of lists of tribes and then all of a sudden there's giants yeah they go okay so the, in canaan uh, or something yeah they find they're looking for a place to stop they're looking for a place to live and they find um giants in some places and they're like this is not this isn't the right place for us because they're giants and it's like i would like to hear a little bit more about that but of course yeah. they don't give us anymore yeah it's like so past it's i mean it, it's more intense than the princes being kind of just casually introduced but yeah similar where you're <laughs> like, like wait like can we like pause for a second i want to hear about the giants acknowledge that now there are giants yeah the next okay they're roaming around yeah they're giants but they're like this is not the right place for us and chapter 17 there's a cute story about but it's once again god trying to like get control over all these people who no longer who like all they want to do is complain which is they make every family write their name on a rod and take it to the tabernacle and god is like the family who is closest to me like whatever something will happen and they leave the rods in the tabernacle. And then when they come back, the rod that had Aaron's family's name on it is growing flowers and almonds, which I think is sweet. Um, but I don't really know why. Like, uh, yeah, God I, this was a section where I was like, excuse me, like. Yeah, it's just like, you, I don't get what you're, I get it. I, the image is cute, Aaron's rod with like flowers and almonds on it, but you're not really giving me much, God. I think that was a misstep on God's part. I don't get what he was doing. Among these lists of rules, there this is in chapter 15 it says and while the children of israel were in the wilderness they found a man that gathered sticks upon the sabbath day <gasps> and they that found him gathering sticks brought him to moses in the congregation and then they all stoned him to death i know and stoning to death is huge in the bible this is the first it's come up but oh. it's like okay this little guy was picking up sticks and they were like sorry it's sunday like you can't fucking do that today die yeah this book is full it's so all over the place it's so crazy it really it's is like, all over the place it's it feels very there's like, a lot of punishments yes but like yeah this poor little guy like he's like gathering sticks it's like if he's gathering sticks like let him gather fucking sticks like he's not doing like serious work i know like, i also it's not like he like had sex on the sabbath or no. like was drinking wine. it's like I mean, I don't know, like, why he needed these sticks. I imagine for, like, a fire, but give him a break. Like, I feel like, how do you know he wasn't just playing? Like, I feel like he might have just been having a, a laugh. Well, because also, yeah, I mean, I was imagining tiny sticks initially and was like, what is he doing? And then I was like, <laughs> oh, they probably mean sticks, like, little logs to, to burn. build something. Or but whatever. then I, I still had an image of him in my head with, like, tiny sticks. Yeah. 
making a little like house for an aunt or something oh it reminds yeah i mean and then they kill him yeah it reminds me of kids like collecting a bunch of little sticks and being like i'm gonna put all these sticks in my pocket to give to my mom when she comes to pick me up it's like that's i okay so i have a a note that's for chapter 16 that says god slash moses are dictators and fascists um (laughs) okay (laughs) and i don't remember specifically why i don't know if you wait no but actually i I think it's because there's just a zero tolerance policy yeah they are like holding all of the power and then the israelites get like pissed off and then god opens up the earth and swallows them yeah yeah so then like i'm like that's scary yeah soon the lord kills a bunch of people with the plague from i think poisoned quails and then some people get killed just being swallowed up by a hole in the ground. And these are just people who like lost faith, like something as vague as that, or they talk shit on Aaron and Moses. So God is still, God is still really protecting Aaron and Moses. So yeah. So then another thing, like then the Israelites have no water again. God releases water from the stone, but again, it's like mean and vindictive and punishes the people. Okay. So the stone thing is really interesting because it's such a huge story in the Christian community. Like when Moses releases water from the stone like that was that was huge for for me and my huh. um my community and then reading this I'm like okay that was real quick and almost missed it almost missed it I had to go back and check again because of the next thing that happened which to me is the bomb drop is of the bomb drop of this chapter is this the your same one wait okay what cha- okay. what chapter the thing in? happens uh, it's 20 like at the end of 20 literally you guys Wait, we have different the bombs. Isn't... I'm so excited. <gasps> okay, okay, so for me, this really, I screamed. The Israelites have no water. God releases water from a stone. And then for some reason, which I truly and simply do not understand, Aaron is killed. Oh, okay. This, my, I have a different Aaron bomb. But like That really shocked me. Shook out me. of absolutely nowhere. He gave and... people, he, it's because he gave people water. I don't understand at all what his transgression was. And he was and, like kicked and God out of the promised land and then dies. Killed, killed, yeah. killed him, killed him. Aaron, after it, all that, it's after some everything, like Aaron, Game of Thrones shit where they're like killing the main characters off. After Aaron, who Aaron has done, I did not. Aaron has done everything, but I mean, I get, I get the main idea. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron has done everything for God at this point. Like Aaron has also. Aaron was kind of less of a piece of shit than Moses. Completely. And then Aaron, like does something actually really nice but is you know going against god and then is just instantly shut off and killed killed and he also god is like mad at moses and aaron equally like it's literally like the craziest thing like he's like i am so mad at moses and aaron and aaron you will now be killed and it's like wait so moses just slid on through that one so then they move on immediately from Aaron getting killed. Oh. No one, no one shuts. No one oh no, they they shit. do. No, they do. They they mourn for like thirty days or something. But like, oh. still, it's like I don't know. Like I okay, feel like it's Eliezer, Elazar. That's yeah. Aaron's son, right? Oh, I didn't know that. I think Elazar is Aaron's son, and like, doesn't is Elazar becoming kind of the new Aaron? I think so. Anyways. The new Aaron. Imagine being the new Aaron. Um, okay, so the next thing that happens, they like Aaron's dead there's a new Aaron in town and the mm-hmm. Canaanites and then they they reach the Canaanites the Canaanites are destroyed by the Lord like they by fight serpents. against the Canaanites yeah they fight against the Canaanites and 
Oh, and the Israelites complain again, which I love. They complain about the unleavened bread and they're like, our soul loatheth this light bread. Like, I love how they're just like, our soul hates this yeah, bread. Yeah, I mean, that that's a really like powerful way to express your distaste for something is bring up <laughs> this, your literal food. soul not liking it. Yeah. Okay. So they hate the bread and in return for them complaining about the food, the Lord sends fiery serpents. To and eat them or kill them or to, whatever. Yeah. To the, they, the fiery serpents bite the Israelites. <laughs> it's like, it's so crazy. I don't know if they kill them because then Moses is like, Hey man, I don't think that what you did is okay. And he, God fixes the problem of the fiery serpents, not by get, eliminating the serpents. He fixes the problem by giving Moses a brass serpent, which is supposed to be This was posted. so weird. Yeah. God gives Moses a brass serpent that is supposed to be the antidote. Um, so you're just, if you get bit by one of the fiery serpents as an Israelite, you're supposed to run to the tabernacle and look at the brass serpent and it will heal you. And I just feel like that is... Like, what kind of games are we playing? Again, it feels you know? very almost like Mousetrap. Like, did you yeah. ever play that game Mousetrap? It feels like it's like there's way too much going on here that doesn't like. Wait, is that a know, board game? Mousetrap was a board game that had all these like kind of weird accoutrements that you would have <gasps> yes. to like build. Oh my God. Yeah, it's fucking Mousetrap. To catch the mouse. And it's like you could have just done something easier. Like, this is weird. And it. Or just gotten rid of the snakes. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like, like delete weird them. You're God. You're God. You can do it what okay wait, hold on okay then we're at the i think the princess of moab who it's like a group of princes that have gotten together that want to go against the israelites um even though they know that god is on their side like it's a group of princes who are like no we don't want the israelites to take any of our land but they've been as they've been moving through the land god has been helping them defeat like anyone who's trying to stop them yeah. So they have a reputation now. It's like God's on their side. But anyway, the princes of Moab have decided like, no way, this is not happening. So they kind of have a coalition. And then this is the thing with Balaam and the ass. Okay. Yeah. First of all, I started to get confused with them moving through the land and kind of like overcoming these other groups yeah. because there was just so many like names of groups. And sometimes I was like, wait, is this like a tribe of the Israelites or is this yeah. a new thing? And like, basically, yeah, God is like, as they travel along empowering them to like kill these kill these groups everyone. and just like take over the land which feels like disgusting and scary but yeah but then Balaam and the ass so like, Balaam is one of these princes I know it's so insane it's like okay so Balaam is one of these princes and Balak is another one of the princes and Balak like is like Balaam I want you to curse the Israelites and Balaam is kind of like okay but then as he's on his way to go somewhere. Once God, again, like this feels like a cartoon. This feels like a cartoon. It's a, But it's a, at least a, a fucking story because. True, just, true, true, yeah. true. So, okay. Balaam is like trying to ride his ass through this like pass in the mountains. I'm as how I imagine it. And God sends the angel of the Lord to stand in the way. And the ass can see the angel, but Balaam can't see the angel. And so the horse is spooked. Oh, okay. That's where I was a little confused because I was like, or the sure. ass yeah. is spooked. And he's like whipping her to try to get her to go, but she won't. And it happens three times that the horse, the ass, oh my God. I know is what's spooked. wrong with you. I don't know. And the, the ass crushes Balaam's foot against the wall of this mountain, trying to avoid the angel. And Balaam is like beating this poor little ass. And then in 
chapter 22, verse 28, the Lord opened the ass's mouth and had her ask Balaam, what have I, I know, what have I done? Like the Lord did open the ass's mouth and she asked, what have I done to thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And then of course, my favorite thing people do in the Bible, Balaam fell flat on his face. Oh yeah. When he saw the angel, because then the angel made itself visible. And then Balaam, of course, blesses Israel instead of curses them. And it makes the other princes really mad. So, okay. I, I was excited to talk about Balak and Balaam because I, it's, I mean, this part, especially is I love with the ass, but like was getting kind of confused. And I was going to look up like a synopsis and I was like, you know what? No, save it. Corny will fill in the blanks. Yes. I we'll, like go well, on this, like this, like discovery together or whatever. Okay, so there were two things specifically in this section we just talked about. I love the image of the angel of the Lord standing with his sword drawn. I imagine like a kind of like love it, like fifty percent opacity, giant angel looking thing with a sword. Also, I'm like confused. Like angel of the Lord, it's like is this the Lord or is it like right? Anyways, um, also I think. I'm realizing I was confused by the term smite and smote and thought that was meaning they people were dying. But after reading this, I was like, oh, like if you smite someone, you might just be like hurting them. Because he was like smiting the ass. And I was like, how is this donkey dying three times? And yeah. I was like, oh no, he's just like hurting, like hitting it yeah. or hurting it or whatever. So yeah, so Balaam doesn't curse the Israelites. The other princes are mad. And then what happens directly after the ass? um Balaam like gives this kind of cool speech about the Israelites I feel like I could read it his little speech it's yeah. um I just left my bible across the room unfortunately but let me grab it um while Courtney's grabbing her bible I will say two more things which are I love like Balaam and Balak the names and um kept thinking of Barack Obama I don't know if like your mind went oh, there with these names. yeah um and then also growing up in the church it was so fun to be able to say ass when you were reading scripture and it was like if, if you were the one reading the scripture and ass was in your section like reading it out loud yeah like, that was crazy it was like everyone was so envious of whoever got to say ass and it was kind of also this really funny test where like it would be like okay are they gonna say it normally or are they gonna like yeah. emphasize ass or are they gonna like stumble because they're nervous yeah um and it what was like a source of like intense stress for me, but mm-hmm. also like intense euphoria. It's like, yeah, I, <laughs> it's like being really nervous before doing a speech or something. And then you finish your speech and you're like, you feel so oh, good, you know? Yeah. yeah. I remember like reading in school, not the Bible, but like things. And I remember like, I feel like reading the word breast. Oh yeah. Something. Same kind of thing. And like literally breaking into a cold sweat, like yeah. being like, Oh my fucking God. Like, and you would look ahead and be like, am I going to be the one who has to read that? And, and like, also, it, like, it gave me terror. To and scared that you were going to still get in trouble, even though like everyone, it was in the text, everyone knew someone was going to have to say it. But like, whenever I was the one having to like say ass or breast or like, yeah, whatever else I was like, wait am I gonna get in trouble like well, even though I know I'm not but like because if you said friend, it in any other context you would get like slapped no <laughs> my friend <laughs> my friend got in trouble because she was reading the word in a science class she was reading the word diarrhea funny like and the teacher like wouldn't like 
wouldn't accept that she was like no I'm just reading like and she's like you're saying it funny to try to make people laugh and it became this whole thing where Wait, my how friend was, was like, saying it I don't remember like I think she was saying it kind of normally like I don't really remember because it just became this whole thing that was like you're you can't I'm not trying to say it funny I'm not trying to make people laugh by saying diarrhea like extra loud or something but like she couldn't like they got in this fight like the teacher and this the student like got in this fight and my friend got in trouble so you're gonna read Balaam's speech yeah he says like a long speech about Israel like the people of Israel so it's chapter 24 verse 5 through 9 I just was kind of like okay well this is cool Oh, he fell into a trance. So he, Boam falls into a trance and has his eyes open and he starts talking and he says, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. As the valleys are, they spread forth as gardens by the river's side, as the trees of lime aloes, which the Lord hath planted and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets and his seed shall be in many waters and his king shall be higher than Agog, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a, an unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion and as a great lion, who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. Um, I mean, that's gorgeous, but this is my big bomb is uh-huh. the fucking unicorn. Oh, okay. 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 Damn it. I blew up your bomb. Yeah. Unicorn. No, 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 I no, mean, no. This huge. is a perfect transition. All of a sudden the strength of an unicorn, which is also like, what is that about? Um, <laughs> to me, one of so far the craziest thing I've seen. That there's unicorns in the, the Bible. Bible. Yeah. Like this sent me down this whole spiral of, okay were unicorns real if it's not a unicorn i mean it's i'm whatever they're referencing in this text i'm sure is like not a unicorn as we understand them to be yeah. or look but now i'm wondering what are they fucking talking about yeah like what looks what were they calling a unicorn maybe they just what animal I, was it maybe they also just had like like we do like the idea oh like the of myth a, of it. the idea of a unicorn but also like do you think that unicorns ever existed not really i don't either i do not um, think that unicorns ever no existed. not at all like i think i think it's uh, no stupid. offense to anyone that does but like they it's didn't just, it's just stupid like that doesn't make any sense like we'd have bones or like it's not that it doesn't make sense it's just like to me it's just pointless to believe that like it's it's also like boring like what? yeah exactly it's like so that is a huge bomb. so yeah that was my big bomb drop because I didn't know that a unicorn was mentioned in the Bible until I read that. And it kind of really threw me. Um, yeah. Anyways, moving on. So he gives a speech. Um, we're in chapter 24 a, still. Yeah, he's in a trance. And honestly, like, I don't know. Like, that that, that doesn't really resolve that much. It's no. kind of like Balak is like, curse them. And Balaam is like, I will not. And then like, and then they just move, kind of the move on. on. They move on. And then they, so, okay. So then two of the tribes of Israel are like, Ooh, this land is perfect for us. We raise cattle. Like this land is perfect for us. Can we stay here? And God is like, no, you have to keep coming with us to find out, to find a better place. But then they strike a deal. And so we kind of, you kind of get, you kind of realize, okay, they're going to settle down soon. Cause they found this land. They're like, you can stay in these mountain, this mountain pass. If you come with us and help fight us, like to help, settle the territory or whatever and so 
they they work that out they make armies to fight for the land that they want and then they start another series of numbers and they just number how many people are in each family it takes forever it's painful it's so to read. boring and they um, do this though because i realized i was like why are they consistent constantly counting up and saying like why are they counting family by family is what i didn't really understand and i i realized they're dividing up the land, the promised land, according to the numbers of the families. I kind of like understood more. It's like, what is this oh. fixation with numbers in the family? I think it's because they're inheriting land based on like how many people that well, they it's equitable. have. Yeah, it's like, it is what it is, but it, it just, it was like, okay, fine. And then I found out in that too, that daughters can inherit land if there aren't any men. Yes, which is I, nice. I, okay. So my note for chapter 27 was that like, finally a win for women yeah but um, I don't trust it I don't trust it either it's a small win and I'm sure there's some other like subtexts that I'm we're sure not getting stipulation but yes basically like if there isn't a man of the family to speak for the land then it will go to a woman and then if yeah. there then there was another thing that was confusing that was like if there's neither then it will go to like brethren which I'm like does that mean like your friends anyways um <laughs> Um, my note for chapter 28 and 29 just said rules about offerings boring question mark yeah yeah more that more of that it's like we covered that and we already read leviticus we don't need this anymore no. except i will say they got they talk a lot about goats and wine and i was like this is kind of sexy like yeah there are a lot of goats and wine and goats and wine to me it just like give off a sexy vibe it sounds like i mean i don't know if i've ever eaten goat but like it sounds like a yummy like Mediterranean <laughs> dinner you know? yeah and it just sounds to me kind of like you know a night worth of goats and wine seems like it's very like um bacchanal like it's kind it of like, like really I'm picturing fun. I'm picturing live goats by the way like you're playing and petting goats oh see I was picturing like eating goats and drinking wine but now I'm imagining like drinking wine with your friends with goats around and like that sounds so fun that would That'd be, be fun. such a fun birthday party so then we have chapter 30. I really like chapter 30. It's about when a man vows a, yeah, a man vows a vow to the Lord and kind of like being like, I swear to God. And I just like loved the idea of binding your soul to your words. I think it's, it, that's what they talk about. It's like when you, when you make a vow, you're binding your soul to your words. And I was like, that's really kind of nice. I like the idea of doing that. The magic of like, you deciding when you're binding your soul to something that you say um, and binding a soul to language, to a voice. I just like thought that was really cool. It was like, I, okay, this is what I wanted from the Bible. I um, I really liked that too. It, it felt like, like that version of something spiritual. I was like, I kind of fuck with that. Mm -hmm. Like thinking about your word and your soul, like connecting in that way and like mm -hmm. the bind. It also was the idea of like staying true to your word and keeping your word it was so big in my experience growing up in the Christian religion. I don't know. Okay. So actually, I guess I'm trying to form a question. Kids would be like, you went back on your word or you're like, you're not staying true to your word. And I'm wondering like, was that, did kids say that to you or was no. that some like Christian shit? Um, I mean, I probably, they might've tried it, but like, I was just thinking as you were saying that I was like, oh, I had absolutely no I gave the word absolutely no value as a child. Like I would lie constantly. And like my sister and I would lie nonstop. And I was remembering the other day how my sister, I was talking to you about this, how she would tell me she might be Jesus. Like oh, a Christian yeah. child would never do that. No. Like a Christian child would absolutely never do that. And my sister would be like, 
you have to be nice to me because I might be Jesus. It's like, we were like absolute heathens. We lied all the time. And so like, I think the idea of binding my soul to my word is something that is only attractive to me in adulthood because yeah, like I've I mean, grown it, to see that that is a it, nice it thing. It was like anxiety inducing though, to feel like you were going against your word or yeah. I think I was really like caught up on lying big time because of the implications it had in like the context of Christianity. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, going against your word is one of the worst things you could do. Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of like, I can see that, but at the same time, I, I feel like that is part of what is so scary about the dogmatic nature of that because it's like oh yeah you can't really be you can't really be true to your word because words and like the language that you use isn't experience like it's like what I say to you can't really reflect it so you're always lying so you're always in trouble with the Lord like I like the idea for me here it's like binding to making the a conscious decision to bind my soul to my words because it's kind of like your soul and your words aren't um do you kind of know what I'm saying like it's like they're kind of incompatible language and a no ex exactly I think I'm I have this really like I'm visualizing in this really weird way of like I'm not okay I'm not going to try and describe it but like I'm in vet there's a belt like a leather belt uh -huh. and then something like really like kind of airy and loose that's like within the belt yeah and like that the belt is like the the words maybe and like uh -huh. the fact that it's about is it being bound to the soul and the soul is like kind of sort of amorphous whatever yeah I like that. Yeah. And like, I, th I think that I, that's the visual that's been running through my head. Um, and it's, it's also kind of like a challenge. It's like, can you bind your words to your yeah. soul? Can you bind your words to your soul? Try. I don't know. Can you? But the other, okay. The, going back to like the dogmatic nature of this shit and like how I was raised, I think it's like a double-edged sword in that it's cool that I was so aware of yeah. like being honest and like, not saying something I couldn't stand by or whatever, but also seems like a really scary way to control someone's like creative freedom or something. Like, well, can yeah. you be creative if you can't like lie a little bit or, you know? I think it's probably really hard to maintain a sense of like, there's truth and there's not truth as you're like growing up in a world that's ultimately really complicated and complex. And it would be really hard not to feel like you were messing up all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it like- it, I think it was and probably continues to be very stunting. Yeah. To do that. We, Anyways, cool I, stuff about I like really liked that section though. Me um, too. Also, this chapter is the the first mention of divorce. I don't fuck. I wish I wrote the verse where they talk about divorce, but it may it's making divorce uh, not sound like that big of a deal. Yeah, like they they started to have cities of judgment and cities of refuge later, where it's like kind of like courts. Yeah, like where people would go to decide things. But something before that that I really okay, there were a couple of things that I lived, which was the chapter thirty one, verse twenty three was oh, and in chapter thirty one, the Israelites go to war with the Midianites. I think that they're burning down their cities and taking the women and children captive. Moses is like evil. He's instructing them to kill everyone but the girl children. And then you're okay, that yeah. shit was a really dark spot in Numbers. Is he's telling them to kill everyone except basically virgins, virgins. virgin women virgin it's like women. kill the men the women who fuck and little boys <laughs> yeah but so like virginal keep the virgin women, women so can, we can like have it's them disgusting. it's like yeah. okay great it's like love wow that you really you. flipped a fucking switch yeah okay so then i love this little thing it's chapter 31 
verse 23, there's this like cute little rhyming at the end of it that I just like am in love with, which is both of the persons and of the beeves and of the asses and of the sheep. Wait, and, like, what verse are you on? Uh, it's I think it's 3123. That's what I have written down. But all I know is what I it's just like a little thing I like, but it's both of both of the persons and of the beeves and of the asses and of the sheep. And it took me a minute to realize beeves are beef, are cows. Oh my god. Isn't that adorable? That is so fucking cute. Yeah. I just kind of glossed over and was like, maybe they mean beavers, but like whatever, probably not. <laughs> um no wait, beeves. Plural beef is beeves. That's beeves. so cute. It's so cute. And there's also like a rule that just kind of made something click in my mind where it's like if somebody touches or kills, like if somebody touches a dead body, they have to stay outside the camp for a week. But I feel like because that was a rule that must have been happening like a lot. Um, like there are just dead bodies around everywhere, I feel like. So between the pe- between the people that the Israelites are killing, the other, the other like people the who have the land, the Midianites and the other like uh, random people before the Midianites. Yeah. And then between that, like I'm sure there's still lepers and the people that God is just like striking dead because they collect sticks on the Sabbath or whatever. Like <laughs> yes. dead bodies everywhere. Dead bodies everywhere. everywhere. They talk about the fucking stinky. Yeah. Okay. That. Okay. And then in 33, chapter 33, verse 55 and 56, this gave me chills. God is being so goddamn evil. It gave me physical chills. And basically he's saying, you have to drive all the people out of the land. Like you need to get them out of here. And if you don't, this is what he says. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. I I noted that same verse. It's it's literally like dark. terrifying. It's like, and beyond that, everything I was going to do to them, I'm going to do it to you. If you don't do this, it's like you are the worst. Like this is that like to me was scary, scary, scary man. Um, scary, scary, scary I also, man. aside from the scariness of that passage, I the um languages I kind of cool. Like I love a prick in your eye and thorn in your side. Pricks in your eyes and thorn in your sides. I'm like, yeah. ooh, that's like scary but sexy too, you know? Yeah. Oh well my God, I almost forgot this other amazing thing that I think we should all put in our vocabulary, which is when it's back when God was, um, they wanted the better food and Moses goes to the Lord and he's like, is the Lord's hand waxed short? And I was like, what? Like, I don't know. I have no idea what that might mean. I don't either. And I was just like, I just think that it's a good vocabulary though. It's like, oh, my hand is waxed short on this one. Like, I can't help you out. You know what I mean? Is it like waxing and waning like the moon kind of? I think it can be whatever we want it to mean. I just think like if my hand is waxed short, that means something to me. I'm still trying to figure out what it is, but it feels Mm. very powerful and it feels like something I want to say. It also reminds me of Fire Festival, this whole book. Oh my God. (laughs) It's like- Like totally like crazy shit show. Yeah. No fucking rules. Live. Stinky. Yeah. No food, Um, no water. It's literally Fire Festival. Fire Festival. Um, and they're just like desperate to get out and then like being cranky um numbers is fire festival two we're kind of like wrapping up numbers by the way yeah 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 um so something that's i think important in chapter 32 is basically a certain group of israelites are once again like pissed at god for making them 
I don't know, like find the promised land and like eat weird shit. And then he says, okay, fuck y'all. You're going to wander for 40 more years so that Mm. the people who were complaining are dead (gasps) by the time you get into the promised land. And it's like, ooh, that is some crazy mean shit. Oh my God. You get 40 more years of this. So by the time you get into the promised land, all you people who complained will be fully dead yeah i mean at that point i might have just been like okay i'm gonna kill myself i'm gonna kill like, myself exactly well i don't know um, why more people didn't commit suicide i mean yeah me either and also just the them wandering for 40 years is like another big moment for christians it's like that gets talked about a lot in this story i don't know why specifically that part of it it is just there like seems a like holiday a, associated with that? I don't know. Um, well, there's Lent, which is 40 days. Oh, is that, that? to do with No, Lent? that's Jesus in 40 days in the desert or something. 40 oh, yeah. Seems there's to be- just like, whatever. Yeah, 40 is like a huge number. So basically, the I mean, if we're ready to move on to the next section, there's yeah. rules about murdering and oh, murderers. Yeah. And there's the oh, manslayer. Yeah. <laughs> the manslayer. It's like Slender Man of the Bible. Yeah, the murders. I, I mean, I was just like, okay, I get it. Like, if you're yeah. a murderer, you're gonna get killed. I did like one part that was like, but okay, we're not crazy. If you drop a stone on somebody's head by accident, <laughs> you are fine. That's okay. Yeah, it's like and it's okay. like okay. Like, I guess I guess. Thank you for like making that differentiation, but also yeah. like once again, the Bible getting a little too specific, a little too close to home. Where it's like, did you do that? Um, you know, it's like, are you trying to? pardon yourself for having done that whoever yeah. wrote this. oh totally totally um, yeah and then they get they get new border okay so they find their place they kill all the people that they have to kill god is finally happy they get their new borders and that takes forever to explain like where the borders are it's like hellishly boring it's more numbers and then they pick a member of each family to go find their land so it's like they're like oh go and you find like what part of this is going to be yours and that to me was very exhilarating it was like that moment the best moment in like the real world when people pick out their rooms oh my god and they start running around yeah they start running around and trying to pick out like what's the best place like i was like i was like on fire like i was like this is so exciting and yeah so people like run around they like pick their rooms they have the murder stuff that are like it's okay if you drop a stone on someone's head by accident and then it's over but the way it ends i like how it ends do you? I, I, I was like I kind of disturbed because basically the very the very last chapter, which is also very short, is basically God instructing everyone to only fuck people and reproduce with people in your own families. Oh, because it's like oh, um, I didn't get that at all. I I actually just meant I liked um, the very last verse. I I just like the tone of it. It's like the very last verse of Numbers is. These are the commandments and the judgments with which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses unto the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. Like that it is just, a sweet way it to felt, wrap it up. It feels very like, it's like rhythmic. It's like, it, it make, it's like, and this is the end, sweetie. You know, I didn't realize it was the, the end of a fucked up chapter about. Okay, now this. I'm like feeling crazy and I'm like, did I make that well, it's, up? It's talking about inheritance. It's talking about all that kind of stuff so you're probably right i just like sometimes the inheritance language just kind of flies in one ear and out the other you know and we, i feel like maybe i had some crazy yeah whatever. well there, so there were times yeah there were well there were times during numbers where i felt like i there were notes that i took and then i went back and i was like i have no i cannot support this claim 
Like, I'd be like, oh God, poison the quails. And then like, I'm glad you kind of thought that too, because of the plague, because I was like, looking back, I was like, oh wait, why did I think that? I think it's just at this point, we really distrust God and we think he's, everything he does is that. Yeah. And everything is like the worst case scenario, like being smote means you're, I was like, oh, that obviously means you're dead. But it's like, oh no, that just means you get like a cut or something. Yeah. You're struck or something. We are seeing everything for the worst. So now is the time we need to decide the ranking. Yes. So you go ahead. What do you think? Okay. So at this point, it's Genesis is one, Exodus is two, Leviticus is three, <gasps> right? Pre-numbers, pre-numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-numbers. My, I'm going to say numbers is the new number three, Leviticus I is agree. four. Okay. I agree. Okay. No, I completely agree. Yeah. Like numbers was bad, but it was no, nowhere near Leviticus. And no. at least there were like micro stories in totally. numbers. And it felt like to me, I will say numbers is giving me more hope because it felt like to me, like, you know, it felt almost like Leviticus like Genesis and Exodus were amazing. And then you have this like kind of, you're on this trajectory and I feel like it got turned completely around and started barreling in the other direction, like negative, negative, bad, 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 bad. And I feel like I'm imagining it kind of like a ship and the ship is like a huge cruise ship that takes a really long time to turn around. And this is like numbers is kind of like turning very slowly. It's I'm sensing it turn back toward what we want from the Bible. I like that. I didn't think about a cruise ship, but I thought that maybe we're getting used to certain aspects of how the Bible is written and what we're going to be seeing. And I feel like less shocked by things now. So numbers felt like definitely easier to get through than Leviticus. And like just generally like organized better yeah leviticus is is an an abomination yeah and we're getting further from it anyway and next week very exciting a word i have long been obsessed with maybe one of the very reasons that i wanted to read the bible in the first place deuteronomy yeah that's like good i remember hearing that word when i was a kid i actually remember like older christian boys that like went to my middle school who they were in like the band at the church and they they were like the coolest like people thought they were so cool and like looking back it's like no like those people weren't cool like but in my mind I was like oh my god like his I remember one of his name was Eric and I remember them uh uh-huh and I I remember one of them saying like Deuteronomy and I was like because I was like I don't know that word and they said it was such like authority like it was so casual they were like yeah well in Deuteronomy did it and I was like what like yeah it's kind of intoxicating like yeah so let's see how it is. It's kind of like hearing someone speak French or something. We're like, oh my God, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, oh, um, did you hear that boy? All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning back in. And I hope that this wasn't boring. I just hate the book of numbers, but I love you. It's Peyton. okay. I love you too. <laughs> and I imagine that we will hate stuff even more going forward. So Me too. I'm just trying to prepare myself for that. I feel like now we've read like a 10th of the Bible. That's pretty cool. I know. I agree. Um, all right. Well, I love you. Have fun I love in Deuteronomy. you. Thanks. See you next week. Bye. Bye.